If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet PlushCare, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm seeing something. It's smiling at me. But not a friendly smile. The worst smile I've ever seen in my life. Do you see it right now? Smile. Rated R. Only in theaters September 30th. Hello and welcome to episode 86 of Padaroni. 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 Yeah, well, uh, this uh, episode I'm talking to a guy called Carl X. Byrne, who was involved in the burlesque scene from its beginnings in Dublin, in Ireland. And um, he uh, recently, uh, he put a post up on Facebook, which was with regard to uh, George Hook's dismissal from News Talk. And he got a lot of flack from it within the burlesque scene. And... Um, I, you know, I got I got wind of this, and uh, I'd like I just thought I'd like to talk to him about the whole situation. It was linked to the uh, Me Too um, campaign, and also um, the general uh, tendency for people to to uh, work out their anger and problems online. So uh, on social media, I should say. Now we talk about this and, and I, it went a lot further than I thought it would. And there's certainly a lot of issues that I would disagree with with Carl on. But I thought it was definitely uh, uh, worth just discussing this whole uh, situation, um, climate at the moment um, uh, with regard to... Uh, the um, feminism and the battle of the sexes, I suppose. And uh, in the few, in the coming weeks, I'd like um, we'll talk to um, a few uh, uh, women on the subject as well. But uh, that's uh, that's in the next few weeks, I could imagine. So um, uh, that's what that's. So it's been a while, actually. I think uh, I think it's been way before Christmas since I've done uh, anything, put anything out. But I've been very, you know, I've it's been. 
I've been hibernating. It's Christmas, you know. You get stuck inside, and and it uh, builds up to Christmas Day. To be honest, I was working right up to Christmas Day, but then I, I uh, stuffed myself for Christmas Day, and I'm still feeling. Although I've started running almost every day, and I am feeling a lot fit today, I just feel very groggy, and I put that down to cheese because I've been given a lot of cheese in hampers uh, for the Christmas, and. Uh, I've been eating way more cheese than I would normally eat, but it's in order. I'm in. I'm in a race with this with the uh, sell by date, not the sell by date. The the date, you know, the date that it goes off. Uh, so um, far too much cheese in my body, and not enough um, uh, of the other food category, which is non cheese. And that's it. So I've been doing a, a plenty of gigs and I was down around the country with the Father Ted show and uh, had some great with the whole band and everything, the afters and everything, some great ones down in uh, Athlone in the Radisson particularly and uh, uh, Maynooth was good. And the other one, Charleville County Cork was feckin' amazing. Two guys had come all the way over from England to uh, see the show in Charleville of all places. Like, I mean, that's a... Uh, that's something else, um, and uh, since and then tomorrow I'm just heading off to uh, Amsterdam to do a gig in the venue, the Chicago Boom venue. I'm in the funny house, the funny house. Well, well by the time this goes out, uh, tomorrow will be today. Um, yesterday I brought my cat Kibley to the vet. She has some bumps on her belly, and uh, now look, she's licking them. Now stop it, Kibley. Because I have to put the cone on her head. And I've put it on twice. And she's managed to get it off. So I'm going to put it on again, Kibley. Don't look at me like that. Uh, that's what's been going on in my life. Um, but uh, I won't uh, hold you. Uh, I'm sure you want to listen to this uh, uh, interview. Um, and uh, it's a good one. It's controversial. Oh, Oh, missus. Oh, you can't say that anymore. You can't say missus anymore. Bloody hell, mate. You're going to be a bloody political correct people. Oh, my God. Okay. So, uh, this is it. It's, uh, it's Carl X. Burn. Uh, thanks for doing the podcast and uh, just to start off I guess you were at the forefront of the burlesque scene from when it started out in Ireland would that be correct that's correct but first uh, thanks very much for having me on the program it really is a pleasure to be here with you feel slightly no. surreal I have to say <laughs> oh yeah why is ah, that just you know the, the love of father Ted and Dame I'm sure I'm oh. sure you've heard in a million t- uh, years and I've actually seen you in, in action and performance yourself when you did uh, the Love, love Cat show with um, oh with, yeah uh, Azaria Starfire and all that so I, I was at that show oh were you yeah and I was like bastards how did they get him <laughs> oh really yeah. yeah I was really uh, delighted to be asked to do that was my first um, I wasn't even at a burlesque show before I did that show, actually. Yeah. I was at the rehearsals for that show. Yeah, they're, they're a good eye-opener when you first go to one, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Um, I was a bit stressed out because there's so many names. Because I had gone to rehearsals, but I'd met everyone and they gave me... And I probably was introduced to you, 
using their real names. Yeah. And then I had to learn so many different new names again to introduce. And to be honest, I wasn't taking in well, I mean, everything. Um, a very similar problem with the hundreds of burlesque performers I've known over the years. So yeah. I, I just stuck with their performer names. Um, it's simple enough. I mean, I, I've known uh, Sinead for donkey's years, but she she will always be Epiphany to me and Don, uh, uh, Diane's Dominique, uh, Helen, Roxy. And I, oh, wouldn't yeah. call, I wouldn't call them anything different. Oh, and I wonder... Uh, so you stick with their performers' names because I th- I kind of maybe faux pas a few times by calling them their real name when I was at a burlesque show. But anyway, whatever. I was even in I, real real life on the street in a regular outfit. They're, they're still that name to me because really? forever, they'll forever be that performer to me. Yeah. Okay. Right. But I just have a problem with names in general. So me too. When, names, so if everybody faces, has two people, names, places. Just, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So can you tell? Were you were you involved in burlesque when it started? And when did it start in well, Ireland? Well, 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 close enough. Uh, Kristen Capelli actually introduced me to burlesque. She, she's known in Ireland as the voice of burlesque, and I've had her at every single one of my shows. Okay. And uh, the first burlesque she, show she brought me to what was the, the Tassel Club when they were doing the Spiegel Tent. I think that might have been two thousand and seven no i think it could have been actually no sorry earlier actually yeah and um uh, sarah Callahan was uh, the first person to really bring burlesque in, it, in its proper form to ireland i don't know if anybody's mentioned her before she runs now the, the tassel club and cirque de cabaret over in london she moved left a gap, gap in the market then somebody else moved in and they they moved and then i filled that void okay but, uh, sarah Callahan was the first one I, I went to see obviously going to see it in the spiegel tent um in that kind of case it was a big deal and at the time there was no real irish burlesque performers and sarah had to bring everybody in from the uk yeah and Kristen was hosting and herb dade uh, much loved great uh, uh, dublin jazz singer originally from america he was their original musical director mm-hmm. and um when i saw it with that setting I, I was immediately blown away to it and then i went went to everything else and I sat one day having a great uh, chat with Sarah in a pub and with so many of the same ideas about performance and what should be done. And because I'd done some dancing and performance before, she talked me into being Ireland's first male burlesque performer, a boylesca. Yeah. And uh, did a performance that was in the village. And uh, it was all right, you know. Whatever. What, what was it? What did you do? Um, Oh, it's just, uh, it wasn't as specific as some of the routines I came up with later mm. when I had uh, Lord KXB and Lord Adamant's routines. It was, um, mm. I hadn't, there was nobody to guide me in what I wanted to do. Costume and whatnot wasn't the best. I just, uh, I did it to a, um, uh, an electric light orchestra tuner, Painted Lady. Okay. And, and it was all right. And I had this frame thing that I was kind of swinging on because I'd had some experience in male stripping, having worked with the, the Celtic Knights for a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, which is quite an eye opener in itself, and I could I could fill you with an hour so full what, of stories. What's, what's the Celtic Knights? Oh, uh, they're they're like a the, uh, male strip. male full Monty uh, strippers, right, right, right. Toured, toured you, around the country, and they were that? in the U two video, the sweetest thing. Uh, I, I I wasn't with them at the time. I, I became a member of them. Well, <clears throat> say I became a member. I, st- I started with learning about production and whatnot, and then got mm. into a little bit of comparing. And one day, when what, uh, a couple of the performers had left, and I knew something was going on. And then when we got to this show, there was 600 women there and said, listen, you've seen all of the routines and the rehearsals. Like, if you don't do this, we have to cancel the show and stuff. And they just literally threw me on the stage. Mm. And I winged it. And I spent about, I think it was six to nine months actually doing performances oh, then yeah. with them. What's that, fun. what's that like? Yeah. How, do you, how does it make you, does it, does it uh, make you feel like a man? <laughs> 
Uh, do you know, know it's a, it, it, it was a crazy time because we also had a, f- a, f- a female uh, um, a full, full Monty strip troupe that we had as well. We started mm. the Celtic Babes, and um, I used to do a bit of touring and comparing with them. So we had the, the male and the female troops, and I remember the girls wanted me to be the full-time compare. I said, no way. And they're like, why? Why wouldn't you want to go around the country with you know a, a few beautiful girls? It's number one, you have to sit. You have to sit in a minibus for them for hours, listening to talking about exactly the same shite every trip. Mm. And the, and then as and of course, then when you get to the the, um, the the venue, you've got a venue full of uh, you know guys. That's where if you go go out with a male troupe, you have that bonding and camaraderie and the absolute laugh. And then you've got a venue full of six hundred women, and you know there's like eight or nine of you. Rods are pretty good for some fun. But mm. I, I would say, though, the difference between a male audience and a female audience is hugely different. Yeah, really. I, I know that from doing stand-up. But what, what was your experience of that? The experience of that with um, with the Celtic Babes was um, you know, like the, the, the men kind of knew the, the, knew the place. So they certainly weren't, weren't as vocal and weren't as screaming. And, and they knew if, if any man put the hand on any performer in any way, they would be reefed out of there and slaughtered, and rightfully so. Yeah. Uh, when you're doing that, just because somebody's doing a full Monty strip doesn't give you the right to put your hands on them. Mm. And any of us, um, whether it be staff or the security, would have stepped forward and defended one of those ladies. But when you're doing a, a male trip strip troop with uh, 600 women, I come out with cuts and bruises and scratches. And technically, by today's standards and what everybody goes on, I was sexually assaulted all the time, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. When I look and think, Jesus Christ, that's somebody's granny. I remember once being like, it was like that scene in Father Ted with Owen McLove when all the grannies come. And I remember feeling yeah. that once. And I actually had to dive over the bar to get away from them and then run through the back. But um, there was yeah. a lot of that. But And then sexual antics that. God knows what people are describing these days, you know, but uh, that was just the normal. Right, there, yeah. Know. All full, fully consented, you know. But, okay. Uh, but what, what they might brand it these days, God only knows. Yeah, yeah. So my, my uh, experience of performing stand-up to all male or all female, either way, it's not a good thing for stand-up. So all male, there's, like, so you'll probably be in a golf club if it's all male, and there's a hierarchy and you realise suddenly if the main guys are usually guy, or maybe the head of the club isn't laughing, the rest don't laugh. It's really like chimpanzees. It's yeah. unbelievable. It's like there's the alpha male and the rest. And then if it's a female, all female audience for stand up, they just, just just talk. They don't. They just don't listen. They just yeah. chat. It's just loads of people chatting. <laughs> I think in those cases, it'd be good to have a good blend of the of the two. Oh yeah, that's the ideal. Absolutely, the ideal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. So, I mean, uh, what what drew you to, to burlesque uh, first? I uh, one of the things I loved about it was, uh, was burlesque was the chance for regular people to get on the stage and really, really shine. Um, and when I, I started, I started obviously doing performance uh, a little bit, but then I, 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 I looked and like Sarah was there, like with, with the sound guy, and she'd be handing him each CD and getting to put, you know, put each one on. I was like, I could take care of that for you. And at the same time, I developed a, a, a real love of swing music and big band and and jive and so on. And then, and then I was saying, listen, I, I could do all the DJing as well because they didn't mm. really have that set style that they wanted. So it was unfortunate that. Um, and after a while, um, uh, poor beloved Herb Dade passed away. And so then I became technically the musical director of it and made mm. sure that everything ran like clockwork and you know, things things were going great. So and I really got into the love of the production side. And then I, I'd start helping performers. Uh, there still wasn't very much in the ways of I- Irish performers. And that mm. went on for quite a while. It was really 
when my show, The Burlesque and Cabaret Social Club, came along, that's when people really started to get the chance on stage because I believed in higher and local. I didn't really care where you came from as long as you were really living over here. Mm. And I get a lot of calls from people from the UK, wonderful performers, say, can I come over? And I say, well, you know, why would I spend all that money to bring you over? When I can, you know, instead of hiring one person from there, I can hire two or three Irish people and still pay them really, really good money. We're not Irish people based in Ireland. Mm. And I just have this absolute love of seeing people get on the stage and shine for the first time, particularly when I've discovered them myself. And there's been a few girls I've chased up the street after they've seen after they've seen me in, in, in a show and said, you know, you would make an amazing burlesque performer. Might seem strange these days, but they became some of the best performers that oh, I you, ever had. You saw them in the audience I uh, of seen, a show. Um, it, no, it's like sometimes on, on stage or, in a show. Well, I've, I've Met them oh, so I'd also get girls approaching me and say, oh, I'd love to be a burlesque performer. What should I do? Mm. And um, some people want to have their hand held through the entire process. You literally have to tell them what tune, dress them and point them in direction. But you got used to them really quick and get rid of them very quick. And then there's girls and they were just had such amazing, natural, uh, creative ability. But they mm. might need help splicing the track together. Or if we were using, um, I'd like to incorporate some visuals because we were always at the Sugar Club. Mm. Uh, which has always been the home of Irish burlesque, so we could make use of that great big screen. And mm. One of my favourites was always Roxy Rhinestone when we, when we when we did for a, a Wonder Woman routine, and I helped her with all the music um, of, of all her routines. And I, I honestly always used to feel like a proud father when she got on the stage. But there were so many girls then, and, and and boys. That it was very important to me try and encourage men to get on the stage as well. Mm. And I did run um, a, a boylesque only night. Um, but I, yeah, it was just for me that burlesque was it was that anybody could really, really shine, shine mm-hmm. for a night, shine for a day or, you know, do a lot more with it. And and there's a lot of it to do with being body proud or proud of your body. And, and well, that was the I, other thing that I, 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 I really it? enjoyed mm. was that it, it really is open to everybody. Big and small. Because it's all shapes and sizes. It's, it's yeah, an, all, yeah, it's an yeah, all shapes yeah. and sizes thing. And so yeah. it doesn't matter whether you're, you're large or small. It really depends on um, how 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 big your personality is on the stage. Mm. Um, although I, I have seen a slight trend uh, sometimes, uh, particularly with, um, we'd be judging who would be coming in, in for the, the Dublin Burlesque Festival. Um, you know, we've we've had large and small, it makes no difference, but you, you would see some performers that were just on the stage because they were big people and that was their thing. I and mean, that's not good enough to be on a stage either. You say, oh, listen, I'm, I'm big and I'm taking my clothes off. I must be awesome. That That doesn't make you awesome. You still have to have all that, that, dare I say it, X factor. Yeah. You, you still need that as well. Just because you're big and taking your clothes off doesn't make you super, super brave. You know? yeah. It's been done. Um, and do you, do you have to come up, do you have to kind of uh, come up with a character that you are when you go on stage? Well, this, um, like, well it's always better to have a second name because you know not everybody wants the people at work to know that that you'll be doing this in yeah, your spare time. But actually, a personality. Do you know what I mean? There's some. I know I've seen some acts that were like, oh, kind of innocent, innocent. Oh, oh, oh dear, my top fell off, kind of thing. Whoops, you know, kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> well, it it, it is it, it is good to have that. But I mean, you, you get the cl- you get the classic performances like uh, you know the bump and grind and the fan dance and the balloon dance. I believe Foxy mentioned them in the last shows, and they're, they're good classics to go to. Yeah. Um, but then you get the, the much more character driven uh, character driven ones that that can be done, which Roxy Rhinestone was a perfect one for. With uh, Disney characters are very very popular. Yeah. Um, to use, but but also then um, type, there, there yeah. should be um, that good sense of um, that ridicule. Also, that Foxy uh, spoke of burlesque. Burlesque comes from the old Italian name um, burlesca, which was to ridicule par- uh, parody. Mm. Uh, the word, the other word she was looking for in that interview was uh, vaudeville, with the vaudeville performances and the burlesque was what came on in between 
those funny men and those comedians. Mm. And they would stick that 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 saucy little number on in between. Um, and that's that that was a lot of what burlesque was before it became something more in its own right. And then a comedian was lucky to get a slot in between the burlesque numbers. Yeah. So, but um, yeah, a lot, a lot character driven, but not all of it. Then you look at uh, Foxy's routines with the, with um, you know, with the, the hoop and aerial and pole dance and costumes. It's it's hard to make money in burlesque. I'd uh, imagine so. Yeah, there's so you've, so you've much time to... and effort, and um, I I don't even know how they do it because they're they're the you know the glue guns and sequins and they're up all night. I don't know how they're. Not yeah, well, this is what amazed me about burlesque is the effort that's put into each. Uh, piece and it's probably not that long. Do you think it's three or four minutes each actor? Generally, uh, yeah. between between three and a half to five and a half minutes. If you're getting over that, it's a little bit long. Right, and and there's an incredible amount of effort for costume, getting the right tracks, yeah. as you say, splicing it, the production, lights, everything. Well, that was something I I was fortunate with the uh, the Sugar Club having great sound and lighting, and Ian, you just you give him his bits, and if a, mm. if a performer has a particular colour they'd like in the lights, and he'll take care of that. But I did used to spend hours and hours with performers work, working on their ideas and the numbers and splicing those tracks, or if we wanted to do a voiceover, and I wouldn't get paid any extra for that. Mm. Then I'd have a guy record the whole show, and then I, I'd cut and I'd split them up. If you look at my YouTube channel, there's hundreds of videos there from the shows over the years, and mm. I'd spend hours and hours after every show, and every performer could have them for free because I wanted them to. But this is what amazes me as well, like about it, like you're doing. If I'm in stand up, everyone ha, everyone has an ambition, you know, or they want to have their own show or their sitcom or whatever. But like, there isn't really that in in burlesque. It's an end of itself, isn't it? It's too. Yeah. And this um at the moment, I don't know. We could say Dublin has a saturation, but there's a lot more going on now. Regards to mm. there's a, there's a, there's a good few you know smaller shows going on as well. <coughs> Sorry, I have that cough that everybody's got going around. Oh, right. <laughs> okay. But um, I actually had to take the morning off work sick sick today. Oh, but, um, <laughs> well, thanks for coming. I was grand, it was just for the, with the chest infection mm. and uh, COPD as well, so nearly killed me. What's but, COPD? Uh, um, it's the obstructive pulmonary disorder with breathing. Oh, really? So, yeah, and uh, stage one emphysema. And I a good one. <laughs> have you? Yeah. Well, that's not even the worst one. <laughs> but anyway, enough we'll about that. To that back, later. back to that later, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So, um, yeah. So I think what I was saying is that it's just an end of itself, and there's so much effort put into there, each there, thing. There, and there is so much effort, and um, you'd only see people like you know, from the UK, a Modesty Blaze, um, obviously uh, Dita Von Tees from America, and and there, there would be there would be others touring around and making some pretty good money on it. But it is far and few between, mm. and the money they have to spend and the rehearsals would be huge in order to get a return. And so for most uh, younger people, when they are getting into burlesque, my advice is do it because you love it, you know, and that's really what it's about. So what you don't get in money, you get in richness in your life and, and confidence in yourself. Is that what you get? Like, it's still hard for me to to uh, to understand that you could put all that much, all that effort in and costume in it and basically for the love of, of, yeah. of it. How often do you get the chance to shine? Right. You know, where where do you get it? When do you do it? These, these memories, no matter what, these are the memories that are going to last you for the rest of your life. Yeah. And especially if you have video with it, with it as well. I know I'd show my, my daughter and mum, they, they like the videos. And when my grandchildren are older, I'd be quite happy to show them, you know, my performances stand there tw twirling my one tassel. No problem. 
I wouldn't have done it if I wasn't proud of it. But yeah, yeah it's a, for, for me, for, for those people, it's, it's, it's your, your chance to shine in and your so life. And so is it kind of like, a, it's basically an escape. It's for one night or for one moment, your escape from the humdrum of life. And yeah. it's very glamorous. Yes, yeah, it is. Um, I, yeah. I, I go for that... Um, a 1940s style. That's for me is what the whole show is about, mm. and what happens in front of the stage is just a, is just as important as what happens on the stage, and it's just as what important as what happens in the dressing room, because mm. with with the shows that I do, that that the whole style is say 1940s. The women come, you know, so glamorous, whether it be a, a cocktail dress, an evening gown or, you know, frilly knickers and corsets and uh, tights mm. and uh, a, a wonderful array. And But then also for the gentlemen. And I, I really like the people at my show to be gentlemen. And if they don't conduct themselves as such, they'll answer to me and they'll answer to other people as well. Mm-hmm. That, um, so everybody should feel comfortable there. I hate the word safe space. Don't even get me started on it. But, you know, when you're there, um, you can't control everything. But... As far as I'm concerned, before this word got bandied around, it was anyway. You know, I didn't need somebody to declare it something. Nothing in this world is truly safe. You can't be responsible for every single second that will micromanage everything. Mm. But if somebody did something wrong, they're getting their collar felt and they're getting reefed out there. But we never had those problems, ever. Uh, the men dressed as gentlemen and they conducted themselves so and that's how they wanted to be. But you get a different class of people going along to this type of show. And a lot of when the fellas were there, they, they would go with the girlfriends. You wouldn't often see you know, a group of fellas going in by themselves or, or they generally be dragged by the girlfriends. And considering it's mostly females on stage, not all, um, a huge amount of our audience is female in comparison to male. Yeah. So uh, I found that interesting. But yeah, I, I love that style and dress and the fedoras and the two-tone shoes and the canes <coughs> and the hip flasks. And then outside of that then, a large group of us always started going out together and we'd all be dressed up to the nines in, in our vintage gear and people would be stopping us and asking us for photographs and we'd be out for the cigars and the cocktails and just, you know, living the life the way the way you're supposed to do it, you know, with a little bit of class and style. I right, okay. So I'd say it's similar in a way to the kind of what was called the new romantic era in London, no one boy George came out of as well. Well, that was kind of a glamorous scene. I, I, I was I was too busy being a metalhead, you know, losing brains. Are you serious? Head banging to ACDC and Black Sabbath and that kind of thing. So, I know they were there and they were grand. Didn't mind oh, them really? at all. Really? So but, you uh, weren't into that whole scene at all? No, um, I, I remember when mm. I was younger. I think it was in the eighties, and I saw on some uh, program they're doing a segment. There was this couple, and they were mad into swing and jive dancing in the nineteen forties clothes, mm. and I just thought they were as cool as hell. I, said, I wish I could be into something like that, but. And, but it wasn't until much later on that, that I did and got that chance. Mm-hmm. Also, thanks, thanks to the internet, finding that kind of music was, uh, would have been a very, very lengthy and painful process to find that on vinyl. And then you could get entire collections and download them all and enjoy them. So that, that, changed, that changed life quite a bit as well. Okay. Now, I suppose, um, I, listen, I was going to leave this to later, but let's get straight into it. Because recently you... Uh, you made a comment on Facebook that got a, 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 to do with George Hooks. That's right, yeah. Uh, now, can you tell me, can you remember what the comment was you made on Facebook? Like, George Hook obviously got banned from News Talk. I, is it temporarily? I think he, he Temporarily. Back, he, yeah. he was supposed to be back uh, with with a weekend show, but I think that's been put back another month or two, but he, he is coming back. He will come back. Yeah. And it was to, and his comment... <laughs> Was about a rape case. A girl was uh, went back to uh, a guy's house. Is there no responsibility to the person that puts themselves in danger? Was his exact words. Okay, is there if no you, responsibility to, to the, the person girl, that put, to the no, per- to the person that the person, puts themselves girl, in danger? Person, yeah. Uh, one thing that annoyed me was the amount of times he was misquoted. Mm. Um, he, 
I still maintain and believe I know George Hook, not not personally, as, as a father, a grandfather and a caring man. And people that I have worked with him have said, like, he, he's the least, he's the most gender blind person that they would know as well. He would be protective and understanding his words. But if you read, if I, I went then and I took the time because I didn't hear the original interview. So I went and I found it. I listened to the whole thing. Mm. And then I, saw, I read through a whole transcript because I wanted to understand, like, how, how would he come out with this? How could anybody be a rape apologist. That's a fucking disgraceful thing. Mm. And um, you would be surprised, Annie. So I went and I had a, had a look and I had a listen. I said, hang on a minute. He didn't say that for one second. And that's certainly what he implied. And as I put, yeah, he could have worded things better. I wholeheartedly agree with that. And there's been plenty of times George ha- George Hook has been a little bit of an old-fashioned asshat. And uh, he, said, mic, he said yeah. some yeah. things wrong. Mm. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. And I think if somebody does something like that, um, they, they should, um, there should be some some comeback on them as well. But mm. it was more that I was disgraced with the way that people were just screaming out and baying for blood and, you know, give the boss a chance to deal with this. It's not your place to deal with this. And he was misquoted so many times. And I know he spoke as a concerned father. Now, my mistake was, we'll get to the subject of my special holidays and my being away for a while, was mm. uh, I, I, I was unprepared for how the community on social media is now as opposed to it was when I went away. And also the group that's involved in burlesque now that wasn't there when when I went away as you well. You think it's ch- oh sorry, you weren't. Let's get uh, you, you, when you say away, you were in prison. I was in prison. Uh, uh, wh- a, a guest were, of Mount Joy. Why were you in prison? Um, I was caught with a load of grass. Mm. Public service, I know, right? Um, but yeah, I, I was caught with a heap of grass. Um, I was uh, doing something for somebody else, struggling business. Offered a chance to make a couple of quid. Same old story. They were watching the place I was dropping it off to. I got caught. I did my whack, and I kept my mouth shut. And now I'm back trying to get my life together. And as part of this, yeah, it left me unprepared for how things had changed. How long were you away for? Um, I got I got uh, I got six years. I got um, I got out on community return and temporary release after three years for being an extremely good boy. And then as part of so out of six years, I should have served with regular um, remission four and a half. But then if you do various things in educational this and that, you can then put in for a third remission, which would bring my sentence down to. Four years. So between year three and four, I, w- I was out of prison and living what I suppose could best be described as a halfway house, a place where I actually work now on, on a CE scheme. Mm. Um, I've got my third remission, so and now I'm 100% free man as of just before Christmas. So it was an interesting and life-changing experience, and I really put my head down, worked hard in prison. I, I formed a Toastmasters group. I was a Samaritan trained and worked as a listener, um, and I Bits, yeah. bits that I could to help. And so I, I've heard every awful story in prison, you know, fr- from from the fellas in there and what they've had to go through and, you know, uh, and in life as well. It's uh, it's too easy to tar everybody with the same brush. Now, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of dickheads in prison. Prison's mm. full of stupid people. There's a couple of clever people in there as well. But uh, very, very interesting characters um, and very worth listening to. And a lot of the time then you can see how they ended up there or... Sometimes how they failed themselves or sometimes how society failed them. Mm. It's uh, It was an interesting experience. And to be honest with you, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And I know it sounds strange, but I'm kind of glad I did it. Yeah, are you really? Yeah, that, I, that I've had that experience in life, especially with what faces me in future life. Certainly is an experience very few people have. Yeah. And was it dangerous in any way? 
for you. You can find all the danger and all the drugs you want in prison if you want to. But you can also keep your head down and be left alone and you can get studied on and you can make use of the system. And for me, I never sucked up or asked for anything, but I, I conducted myself the way I always did. Please thank you and get on with it. The, the people that are looking after you in prison, they didn't put you there. I put me there. The guards didn't put me there. I put me there. So you, you own that. So you own your responsibility mm. and be the same polite person you always were. That gets recognised quickly enough. Uh, it's funny the amount of people inside that have this really strange sense of entitlement uh, or don't understand why they're not progressing more. I remember once, I'd only been in a year and a half and I was work, already working outside the prison and I was driving a 16-seater minibus with no prison officer supervision, bringing other prisoners out to work and back at Thornton Hall, the farm that's out uh, out towards Ashbourne area. Oh, yeah? And I remember one of the prisoners and he was uh, he just managed to get a job in the kitchen. He was walking past and an officer was escorting him up to the, up to the officer, officer's mess. That's where he was working. And he says, he says, look at you, says Carl Byrne. He says, only, only not even two years in prison. You're getting out and you're doing this and you're doing that. He says, and I've been in here five years and I'm only getting this. He says, what does that say about you? I looked at him and says, I think that says more about you than it does about me, dickhead. Mm. I didn't know what to say to that. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, yeah. You know, but yeah, if you, if you conduct yourself with a bit of decency, you can do really well in there. And there, there is things in place to help you. But, and I know, I know for, I know for uh, sure as well, I've seen so many officers and they try so hard and they, they get some young lads and they, they get them more and more towards these goals and they get them right up into the point and then suddenly they might have dirty urines or get into fights and they mess up months and months of really hard work to get them somewhere. Yeah. And then they start complaining because they don't understand why they're not getting this or why they're not moving on to that. So, you know, you're, you're, Would you have an opinion on what, what uh, like uh, as a young lad growing up, what what makes a young lad go the right way and what what drops him into prison? I mean, is it a lot of people? Well, some opinion would be that the absent fathers is a big issue. It for took the young. words right out of my mouth. You yeah. um, with, uh, after well, we we were talking about this little attack online, but it caused me to do a, a lot of research uh, when I when this thing about the the George Hook thing came up. Now, mm. um, I made I did make a bit of an apology online, uh, something that I was not very happy about because I wanted to go into full fuck you mode. I'm okay to swear on this, aren't I? Yes, you are. Oh, yeah, thank yeah, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted to go on that. But these people, uh, particularly one, um, a misandrist. I didn't even know that word existed until last year. Misandrist. It's the opposite of a misogynist. Oh, uh, okay. A man hater. Right. I didn't even know that word existed until last year. And um, for the first time last year, I was, I've never been called a misogynist before. Slightly sexist, but then anybody that watched television in the 70s, 80s and 90s has to combat a whole diet of mm. you know, stuff that we were force fed down our throats. I mean, everybody we looked up to in the 70s on TV is a bloody paedophile these days. And these were our heroes uh, when yeah. we were growing up. Yeah. <coughs> so, yeah, I'm 100% not a misogynist. Sexist, I think most men have a tiny bit of it in their bones because of, of our upbringing, but we try to be a bit better as we get older well, and I a bit more sensible about it. We are all sexist, we are all racist, we, and you're just trying to deal with it. But in uh, unconsciously, you're, you're making decisions. Yeah, and women as well, because yeah, uh, yeah. you'll say to, uh, you know, we have a conversation, oh, I was at the doctor, and lots of women will go, what did he say? And you're going... Well, it was a woman, actually. Well, in, in, co <laughs> in co correlation to regards to crimes, yes. I mean, uh, the, the higher and higher that the single mother rates go up, the higher and higher crimes going up as well. Right, right. And I, and I think um, I think it's very important to have fathers in a home now if a father's uh, abusive. 
or if he's done anything to a woman, you get rid of that bastard, hundred percent, and would support you in any way, shape, or form. Mm. And 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 there is a system, no systems ideal to support and help women. Um, you know that there's there's um, there's 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 lots of counselling, there's uh, refuge centres. I, I believe the number last year was about eighteen and a half million was given by the government to support women in in, in such situations, and in the same year, one hundred and fifty thousand was given for men. That's not point eight percent of the budget is given for men and um, in comparison to women. There is no shelter for a man to go to if, he, if he's, a, if he's a, a victim of domestic violence mm. or, or, or domestic abuse. There is absolutely nothing for them. Um, uh, uh, less than one in 20 men report domestic violence and domestic abuse, something I've suffered myself from greatly, um, including sexual assault. Yeah. So I, I know what it's like to be scared in my own bed. I know what it's like to lock myself in the bathroom or go sleep in the sleep in the van on a winter's night because it's better than going back into the house and waiting for your partner to fall asleep through drunkenness really? and still go through it and go through it more. I, I know those things. So when when these angry misandrists are calling me a rape apologist for no bloody good reason and, say, and saying that I am a misogynist for no good reason, based on one bit of, bit of text that they redacted a big chunk of to suit their narrative. Okay, so let's, let's, let's clear this up now. What, was you, what is it you said on Facebook? There was, there was a lot, actually. It started off as a bit of a thread. I, I put up a video that I found online that said, George Hook said nothing wrong, and I put no comment with it whatsoever. I just put it up because I thought it'd be interesting to see what people would say and maybe get a conversation going. And then almost straight away, I started getting bombarded with um, being, oh, getting lectures about um, women are never to blame. And this you know, a big lecture for this one fellow, big lecture on this. Uh, um, and I says, you know, what are you telling me for? I, I wholeheartedly agree with every word you've said. And um, there was a few different things. You can't say this. You can't say, that. excuse me, I point out in this thread where I've actually said one word where it actually infers that. And these same people, when this, what I would consider an attack, then remained incredibly silent um, when I was accused of having said these things, even though they were part of a thread. And I didn't say that. Uh, there was nothing in the typing. Now, there was one section where, as George Hook was talking about personal safety and we're responsible for our personal safety. Mm. In the 60s and 70s, second wave feminism was all about women um, being right for, for, for their own, for, for, for their own um, sexual rights and sexual freedom and sexual liberation. This is back in a day in colleges and universities where girls had to be in by 10, 11 o'clock with, uh, with, their, with their house mother and boys could go out and do what they wanted. And women fought damn hard for those rights to be able to have that freedom. But that also means being responsible for your own safety mm. and going out and getting absolutely eyed and being out by yourself, things I would tell my grandchildren, daughter, don't do this, don't leave your drink unattended. Would you tell Stick your son your friends. the same you know, thing? Well, look, this, I, this, so I would also, case, well, I, actually, I would, I'd give my son even more advice because as a man, I'm 11 times more likely to be attacked on the street than a woman and hospitalised and battered. Um, we would take that generally the, um, the, 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 uh, the sexual element is taken out of it much, much, uh, you know, much mm. more, but it does happen. Yeah. But I'm in much more danger when I go out than a woman is. I'm much more likely to be attacked, 11 times in this country, more likely to be attacked and hospitalised and fucked up by a group of people with the violence that goes in, in pubs. Mm. I don't walk down stupid dark alleyways. I watch my back. And when I feel myself getting a little bit too drunk, it's time for me to go home because I wouldn't be out. Or, or if I was with mates and I thought I was in a bad area, I'd stay with them or I wouldn't go in certain pubs because I know they're dangerous. I do take responsibility for my own safety. And as a cis, hetero, white male, 
I don't think I can walk anywhere and do anything because what male white privilege is a load of shite. It doesn't exist. That's a lie. And there's a ton of stuff I can show you to prove that. And it, that, that really gets my goat up, especially when a fella puts that up. You know, you're just, you're just belittling your own people. Toxic masculinity that you hear all the time. That's bloody hate speech. The same things they're complaining. Well, you can't say this, you can't say this. Toxic masculinity. It's bloody hate speech. Stop staying it. Mm-hmm. No, so I mean, the whole world's messed up, and people are not thinking. Yeah. Well, there's a certain group that's certainly not bloody thinking at yeah. all. Well, I mean, I think uh, the big problem is, and it's happened in the comedy world as well, uh, is that uh, something might happen on a particular night. Somebody might say something on stage or whatever, and nobody's nobody confronts them there and then. They wait till they go I'm, home and go on oh, Facebook. Oh, keyboard warriors, they're, they're so wonderful. And these people that berated me and accused me and all the virtue signalers that jumped on board, some of those people I've worked with for 12 years and I've been in entertainment 15 years, not one git rang me up and said, Jesus, what the hell's this going on? I've known you for years. You're not like this. You've always treated everybody as a gentleman. I've mm. had hundreds of women in my house working on routines and uh, splicing their music for them and working on videos. And just before I went to, never once did I consider that um, I could be putting myself in danger. I always knew they weren't in danger because I just, mm. I have a way of conducting myself. And um, I, I treat anybody, if it's a professional capacity, I, I, I act as a gentleman. And actually, I'm lousy at flirting anyway, so I gave it up years ago. Mm. But um, but now um, I have to consider this. this um, with, obviously, you know, if I was half the things that, that these people uh, said I was, surely somebody like me, it might have come up in this whole Me Too thing that was going on. Mm. Of course, there wasn't a word about me because I've never conducted myself like that. So mm. you have to start thinking about things like uh, the Mike Pence rule. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, nope. Mike Pence is the vice president of the United States. Mm-hmm. He's a dickhead like uh, Donald Trump either, but he's done one smart thing. Now, I know he's also a Christian, but we all have a fault. But um, he, for years and years, long before this came up, Me Too came up, he, is, he, he would never have a dinner or a drink or be alone with a woman unless his wife was there. Mm-hmm. Never. And now there's a, there's a sweeping movement and idea of these Mike Pence rules. And there is starting to be a bit of a backlash to Me Too because I've already have seen it. I've seen a few videos in America from even last Halloween, um, one man put up a video that every single guy in his company booked holidays and Halloween because they did not want to party with all the female staff in the office because the year before, you know what it comes down to Halloween outfits. Uh, mm. For a woman, it's uh, doctor, nurse, this, that, just add slutty to the front of it and off they go with an amazing outfit and they have a great time. Apparently, one of these women had a crack and rack, you know, fully on display and that. Mm. And one guy may have been staring about it a little too much. Now, the woman with the nice rack... She never reported anybody, but another woman made a complaint about it. And naturally, the guy had to be um, chastised, penalised, whatever they did. So the next day, none of the guys want to go. They don't want to go to the Christmas party. They don't want to go to the Halloween party. They don't want to be alone in the room because it's now getting to consider, be considered too risky. There mm. will be. Uh, everybody should have the right to report sexual abuse, and they damn well should, and they should be supported in it. But everybody doesn't have the right just to say what they want and be 100% be- believed. You look at uh, uh, the Duluth, uh, Duluth model that they use in America to decide how a person, uh, how these sexual cases are done. That's uh, it's, uh, the, all the faults on the accuser. Uh, um, sorry, uh, the, the accuser doesn't need any proof, doesn't need anything. All the faults, all, all, everything goes to the person that's been blamed. Mm-hmm. And if, if I, I won't get into the Duluth model, too, Duluth model too much, but if you actually look at that and the breakdown of it, 
it's a disgrace, but that's the main model well, they use. Particularly when it's online. main model they use in America to decide mm. how a case of um, well, it could be you know domestic abuse, domestic violence is is sorted. Uh, you you go to family court. Family courts are a joke. Men are getting slaughtered in the millions in family courts, in the thousands. They walk in, they pick them clean. They don't care. Uh, it doesn't mm. doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what the wife's done. Or any, any in America, they have uh, no no fault divorces now. A wife can just say, "Nah, I'm done with that." Now I've got the kids. If I get rid of this Egypt now, I've been looking looking at him for fifteen years. I've got my kids. He's got plenty of money. If I get him out of the house now, and the police will come around and handcuff him and take away, even though he's done nothing wrong, and then he has to go fight. And the wife's got a new boyfriend in. Seventy percent of all these uh, divorces now are in in America are, are started by women for no reason. Divorces, good luck to you, and they get everything. Family courts pick them clean. Family courts do the same here as well. Uh, the judicial system is a joke and way biased to the left. The family courts are an utter disgrace and not fit for purpose. Men are, be, are lives destroyed. And as I've recently joined a men's rights activist group, Men's Voices Island, and I went to the first, um, oh, and by the way, the press are not fit for purpose either. They're so far left-leaning. Men's Voices Island had their, their, their second annual conference, the first thing that I went to, and it was on International Men's Day, just just before Christmas. Mm. And um, they, they went to all the major outlets. They went to the Human Rights and Equality Commission. None of them would touch them. None of them would give them coverage. None of them wanted to know. Uh, they went to the, the community radio stations. I've done seven years of community radio. No problem. But all the main ones wouldn't touch them whatsoever. And then also, and as an example of that, and Google, um, those assholes, um, they would, you didn't even get a Google Doodle for International Men's Day. Did they get one for International Women's Day? Did they get it for the marathon? 100% support. Google is rife with misandry. You look at the James Damore case and the famous Google memo. and um, Yeah, can you uh, tell us about that? <coughs> well, he, he wrote, he, he wrote um, a memo. It was a little bit more than that. It's like a mini manifesto. Now, I haven't read all of it myself, but I've seen mm. him in interviews with various people. And um, with Google being the uh, left left our left echo chamber that it is um, because of some of the things that he implied in that memo, they were disgraced and outraged. Oh my God, given all this. But everything that he put in that memo is backed up by science and reputable scientists have been through all of that and saying, whilst the tiniest bit crudely wrote because he's not a scientist, everything in there is factually correct. But he got fired well, and disgraced. Well, what he said was about uh, women work working in Google. <clears throat> yeah, and, and the differences in it and how to make it better and some open-minded suggestions. Right, in no yeah. way was he saying, no, they shouldn't be here, they shouldn't be that. And some have made references to um, biological um, things as well. Um, yeah, well, I, I've listened to a lot to Jordan Peterson who says that, well, like, women are far more agreeable because they would uh, have evolved that way because they would have to look after children so they couldn't be as aggressive or whatever I, as men. Yes. And so that in the workplace, that is probably what uh, holds them back because they're well, far too agreeable. There's a few other things as well. Um, mm. say with, with, with him, everything that was proved that, no, it, it, was, it was all backed by science and that when Google got rid of him. And the next day, loads of women didn't go into work because they felt threatened in the workplace by a fucking memo. Do me a favour, mm. come on, and that's and that's how you're supposed to work. And we're the same, you and I. No, we're not. Mm. I, I I cherish and, and uh, revel in the differences in men and women, and mm. there should be differences. But nowadays, I mean, I don't just hold the doors open for women. I'll hold I'll hold it if it's somebody's close enough behind me. I'll hold a bloody door open for anybody. Mm. And you hold a door open for a fellow. It's actually fair play to you. Thanks very much. You're a gentleman. And nowadays, it seems to be only the older ladies will say thank you if you hold a door open. The rest of them look at you like you've just treated them like shit for some reason. I don't know what the fuck to do anymore. Mm. I 
wish chivalry wasn't dead, but it's being killed. I don't want it to be. But yeah, in the Google case, it was another example of disgraceful treatment for somebody speaking the truth. And God only knows what I'm going to get, you know, at the end of this. But as I put in the Facebook statement, because I have an incurable illness, I've run out of fucks to give. So. <laughs> so we'll talk about it in a minute. But it, part of the problem I would suggest is that nobody wants to talk to other people who have a different view and just without it being becoming a complete rant the, the right, and not listening just the right's ready to talk the left's not ready to listen it's and they bizarre keep, they keep that you would say it. that you're talking about the left because I would have considered myself left wing uh, I, I, thought, I, I probably it, I, I thought probably, it was more and, and then when I started doing a lot of open mind research I tried to look at both sides and the more I was looking the more I was sitting getting to the middle a little bit and I certainly be right right and I'd, I'd, I think socialism is just a government license for, for idiots to steal everybody else's stuff um, it's, I, I'm, I'm not sure what the hell I am anymore mm. you know I, I you know um, but yeah um, the left ain't listening so good these days and, and other people are screaming as well it's just but um, and and I wish people would listen and have an honest well, conversation. Well, extreme left and extreme I mean, right, I think. Geez, I mean, this this whole gender pay gap thing. Similar. We take that as an example of people not listening. Feminists are saying the same thing again and again and again, but they're not bloody listening um, about the gender pay gap. If you take both pays and you split them, men, women, yes, there is a difference. You're not taking into into consideration um, the fact that almost every dangerous and dirty job or slightly more high-paid job on the planet is done by men. Well into, was it, 95 94% of uh, deaths in jobs is all males. Mm-hmm. Um there's all those factors and the breaks taken it in them. But also, um, I was listening to two different interviews over two weeks uh, on News Talk. One of them was a, a guy interviewing a female doctor. That was about a week later. It was a uh, female in, in the daytime, and she was interviewing a guy that was part of the medical board or something. And in both cases, it was mentioned that there's more female GPs than there is male. There's nothing stopping women getting into professions that they want, but they cherry-pick a very small amount of what they want and a lot of them would be more uh, human interaction things and I think that's great because women are generally better at that than men mm. and men like to tinker with things and they're always complain, complaining about getting into into the STEM sciences and there's not enough but 80% of the people that go for degrees are men and 20% women and in actual STEM fields 80% of the people are men and 20% of them so it's absolutely representative of who wants to do what. Mm-hmm. Nobody's stopping them. Cryptocurrency would be a great example of that Cryptocurrency doesn't recognize your genitalia or give a crap about anything. Anybody can invest in cryptocurrency. What's cryptocurrency? Uh, Bitcoin and the likes of that. I'm I'm, I'm heavily into it and making a killing. Um, But uh, that doesn't recognize borders. It doesn't recognize genitalia. But, I mean, it's it's about 95% all men doing it. So, you know, if you want to make a few quid, I would wholeheartedly encourage women to discover what blockchain is uh, and get invested and get involved. Well, what you're saying is that it's just... some, Men are more attracted to yeah to things. Women are more attracted to people. Yeah, and it, and it makes yeah. absolute sense. Women would be better better therapists, better GPs. I I switched my GP from an old Victor Meldrew style fellow who I really didn't like mm. um, to to uh, a, uh, to a female GP. Now I tend to find the younger GPs a little bit better than like if you get a guy then it's, it's like in about sixties near retirement. And I think they're bloody awful. And mm. I, I have this uh, wonderful female doctor. I'd say she's about forty five. I personally think she's absolutely gorgeous, but I'd never let her know that because I'm only see her in a professional capacity and I wouldn't make anybody feel uncomfortable. But mm. I find them easier to talk to. 
Um, but there's, yeah, and there's certain things I'd Teachers, be happy with a woman. Uh, yeah. Mm. But I actually think we need more men back back in schools. But then why the hell would a man want to be a teacher anymore well, with all the things that well, could go wrong? Well, definitely in primary school, because uh, I, uh, I have a son and a daughter. And I do, and they both went to an Educate Together school. And uh, I think when my son was going to school, there wasn't actually... The headmaster might have been, it was a man, and then he left actually. And then I, I, I don't know if there was any male teacher, uh, but there was no uh, sport. They, mm. they were in the young, particular some young boys were going insane because they were not able to physically do anything and the, during and school the, hours. And, 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 I, and they're called and hyperactive and ADHD. They just want yeah. to be bloody boys, let them go out and play and, and rough and tumble and knock the shite out of each yeah. other and then they'll be all right in the classroom. Yeah, I know. And, and don't it, try and hand them dolls and tell them to play the, the way the girls play. That's that's just disgraceful. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, I remember him saying, ah, one of the teachers brings us out and we look at trees and he was like, what the fuck is it? Do you know what I mean? Like climb you, a tree, you don't bloody uh, look at uh, it. Yeah, and... Uh, yeah, no, it is. It it uh, definitely affects young boys that they're not getting a chance, and like unsupervised play, if there's not get not getting a chance to uh, told to find really out, like you kind of wrong with them. That's you find out are. your your place in society where with by fighting and. When yeah. you're a kid, you know, and and, yeah, and finding know. out your own physical abilities, and, and now, as you say, you with, the, with all, all, all this single parenthood, where they're turning now to, to the state to look after them, um, uh, that that mm. allows the state in, in the, the state comes into your living room, the state can come into your bedroom, the state can come into everything now, mm. and they're, they're looking for the state now practically to be that that father instead of the instead of the actual father. The fa- I and, mean, and most that, that's ruining it for boys. Young men who go astray. <laughs> Have uh, there's there's no father. Yeah. There's been no father. So my 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 daughter and her fella. Now they've had some problems and they've had split ups and they've got back together. And um, he 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 was he was he was there for the Christmas. And I said to him, "Listen, understand this." I says, um, "You know, she might be my daughter, but I, I believe um, a father's very important." And I said, "I know you have your ups and downs." I says, "But I'd much rather you were here than not, as long as you're always respectful to her. Um, whatever troubles you have, mm. I um I will." I won't take sides. I'll let you work it out. You, you raise a hand or you do something wrong, I'll destroy you. I said, remember one thing. I said, I've been to prison already, so the, the, I'm not scared of prison anymore. And I'd happily do time for my daughter. I said, don't take that as a threat. I said, because if you're right, I'll support you. But it was. It was. That's <laughs> like a threat to me. <laughs> but um, I, I will. Um, but yeah. uh, I want you here. I, I want you. I want you raising that boy. I want you influencing those girls. It's very important to me that a father's there for the child. Because mm. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. So well, let's go, let's go back to the uh, situation. You were involved um, in setting up the burlesque festival, correct? Yes. At the very beginning. Yeah. You yourself, who else was involved? <coughs> it was myself. Uh, well, there was a wonderful girl that used to be a performer, Bonnie Petit. She's back over in Australia now, and um, the the burlesque and cabaret social club had been running for just over a year. We mm. started in two thousand and nine. And she said, you guys should be really, really doing this. And um, she got myself, Epiphany, uh, Roxy, uh, down down to kind of have a meeting. She said, listen, I'm going, but you guys be mad if you didn't do this. Um, who else was there? Oh, and, and Bella Rogogo. Mm-hmm. And so the four of us agreed yeah, that we would get together and we would start doing something. But we'd rather have an uneven number for when it came to making decisions so we couldn't argue. And we all very, very wisely 
picked the one person at the same time, and that was Dominique Devine, the, um, as, as everybody likes to call her, the queen of fucking everything. Mm -hmm. uh, but she's just a powerhouse when it comes down to organization, the paperwork. And say, right, you're going to be doing this, you're going to be doing it, you're going to be taking care of that, and everybody will go do it. Mm. And that was she was the kind of pe person we needed for all of that. So, and thankfully, uh, her and Epiphany looked after the show, well, my show, whilst I was away as well. And this was a festival that started when? Uh, First we, time? Uh, 2010. 2010, it and it was once a year. In once once a year, in November, every November. Every November, it was the Burlesque Festival. Yeah, so um, when I, I remember when I was going away, the Burlesque Festival was on the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then I was going down to the courthouse knowing I was going away on that Wednesday. So it was a hell of a way to go away. Mm. So the last Burlesque Festival, I stepped back from that and had nothing to do with it this year and that was a very painful decision for me because I was just I was just really kind of back out again in society and becoming a free man mm. <coughs> so and to come back into this was a big deal and the only reason I pulled back is because these misandrists were sending messages to U uh, performers in the UK saying this is not a safe space and this guy's a, a rape apologist and yada 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 and, and they actually put some stuff up that I have a really good case for um, for, for um, libel but unfortunately uh, libel only works for, for rich people I don't have enough money to sue otherwise I bloody well would mm. and I'd make them pay for that um, these were, these were performers yeah yes mm -hmm. um, one in particular as and because I've talked to uh, female performers who are totally on your side and I think they're probably both in their 30s right so do you think that there is a different attitude in with uh, overall with people in their 20s I'm not I'm not talking about just in burlesque actually because yes. I think it is oh 100% um, yeah. you, you mentioned uh, when we were having a, a chat before you, you just briefly mentioned Canada and we didn't get into that subject in Jordan Peterson mm. and uh, I think um, I actually believe before even before I started learning all these things that uh, universities now are just money making rackets uh, they've lowered the bar on uh, you know who can, who can get in and lower the numbers and so they're making more money um, people are getting out with degrees it's harder than ever to find a job and they're putting themselves massive in debt to come out and um, you know the paper I mean I, I believe in education and right education mm. I was always wondering with artificial intelligence general purpose machine uh, gen general purpose learning of machines and various things I mean what jobs are going to be safe in five years and ten years and 15 years time and somebody now uh, can, can be studying for a job and come out and then it's, it's getting replaced I mean AI can already um, an analyze x-rays better than an oncologist and mm. they never make mistakes um, AI can write um, technical manuals better than people have been studying for four years to do it mm. and it can do it in a, it can do it in a couple of hours where it takes them months to write it and does it better and these people are studying for years and years and years so I, 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 I was already questioning university and now I find out about all these ideologies that go on about and everybody's screaming about safety spaces and there is no free speech you look at the likes of uh, uh, um, Ben Shapiro or My Milo trying to give a speech on something I don't agree with everything they say but they talk a lot of sense at the same time and um, they can't go and, and, and give a talk or have a lecture when they're invited without hundreds of thousands uh, of euros being spent, spent or dollars being spent on security because these left wing people are screaming and yeah, trying to destroy is, it this is and basically I mean <coughs> 
Free speech is like a basic right, uh, and it doesn't I, matter. And, it, and hate, even hate speech is still free speech because right. I want to know what that dickhead's saying, and yeah. I want to know who's saying it. No matter it. what you're if, if you talking sh- about, if you shut it down, they're still going to say it. There's, there's loads of other places you mm. can go say it, but then you're not aware of what they're saying, and then you can't call them to account. And you can't criticize what they're saying if I, you don't I, I, hear I what they're up saying. Another video: free speech is uh, all speech is free speech. And once again, well, the left screaming, you can't say that with these people. They they fucking hate gays. They hate this. Yeah, but now you know who the prick is, don't you? Yeah, also, you can pick apart an argument if you listen yes, to it. 100%. Uh, you can pick apart uh, an opinion. But they don't so. want to listen. You know? uh, uh, but is there a possibility that just we are old fogies and we're, we, no, we're I, I, like... No, I think our... the younger generation has actually been given a really hard deal. They've been lied to since they were younger by the government and the schools and the universities that for a long while they were told everything is going to be brilliant. Now they're realising that the, the future might actually be quite shite. <coughs> and I understand why there's a strong well, level of frustration. Well, it would be shy because they don't have possibility of owning a house, probably. Well, and you're looking about, at the you know, po- strong possibilities of um, universal basic income is, uh, you know, something that's been talked a lot and trials are being done in various countries around the world as well, which is going to be interesting. Um, you know, I think that 1% would actually quite happily lose a, a few billion of us and just keep enough around to service when, when the robots can make everything and they don't need people to make all the luxury goods they want. Why not mm. get rid of a few billion of them? I would suit them fine. But this, I, I don't know the answers to think, but there's massive divides happening in this world. Um, the young people, I think they whinge too much. They're a bunch of bloody snowflakes, but I think they've been given a really <laughs> shit but deal. Listen, this is probably what our parents said about us. As you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy I they're grew su- up in the they're 70s too soft. as a kid, you know. Um, I don't know. Do you know um, what I mean? We, I list, we grew up listening, let's say you didn't, but I did listen to Morrissey moaning about, uh, I had, had a job and then I didn't want, whatever, heaven knows I'm miserable now and we all love that. And I'm sure if I, if there were people in their 50s listening to that, I'd go, oh my God, listen I think, to that. I think every, every, every parent does think the next mm. one has a bit easier, but then don't you want it to be a bit easier for your child when they're grown up? Don't you want it to be a bit better? Well, Isn't that's that the thing. Do but... you want it to be a bit easier? Because maybe that is the problem. Be, like, I, I think uh, what the youth of today uh, has been given is, is, is unfortunate. I can understand why they're angry and upset, but it's all too much look, because reasons, I, because feelings. You I know. made the same, I made, I made mistakes with my kids. Kids definitely been too soft. I think too soft with them. Well, you know, not going. No, you yeah, enough. And, and I think that's very important. And, um, you shouldn't give them everything that I want. They want. Uh, um, so too, too much of trying to protect feelings doesn't prepare you better for the real life because mm. university is not real life when you get out I mean I have people that I've worked with um, that you have stand up right in front of each other bulls out fucking arguments just short of boxing the heads off each other mm. which you don't because you know you're at work and then off you go I know that guy's a prick and I know if I saw him out in a pub I, I wouldn't I wouldn't piss on him if he was on fire mm. but I know in the capacity of work then if he asks me something as a profession, professional capacity he'll get what he wants and he'll get it to the best of my ability even though I hate that guy's guts that's how men work you know and we're alright with that everything doesn't have to be perfect we'll work around it and we'll get on with it and shut the bloody feelings so what if they hurt you know dust yourself off and get the fuck on with it mm. that's how it should be I'm so, I've always considered myself a, not a macho man but a manly man Right, yeah, and but at the same time, I do remember. I do remember when I was in my twenties. I ar- I would argue vociferously about like and look if anyone was. God, I mean, I remember used to hear people going Reagan. What a great man Reagan is. He has people working, and I just like oh, he's you know I'd I'd lose my head with them. I can't and, I can't uh, think of an American president that hasn't been an asshole, and that includes Obama. 
you actually, I, I thought he was a wonderful, wonderful person. Oh, Michelle's great. Michelle, Michelle Obama's another misandrist. And Obama, you actually go and look. Really? The, the, yes. And you actually go and look at um, the real record of things that are allowed on Obama's watch. I, I can't quote them all off the yeah, top of my head. Yeah, of course I know. I know. Look, but to be, the, to be the president of America in the first and, place, you probably no have to be. Trump's. You probably have to be a psycho. You're going to upset people, but because no, I mean, you're not killing. as great you're, as everybody you know makes that out. You're, All those drone, drone strikes that happened in his watch killing that people. he allowed and encouraged, yeah. and they're, they're ignoring them. And something that really confuses me is now how the, um, the all the feminists are championing Hillary Clinton, and they wanted her in. So Hillary Clinton is an actual rape apologist. Mm-hmm. Look at a bloody husband. Do you want a rapist in the White House? Oh, we're going to forget that because you want the first woman in, in the White House. They only want her in because she's a woman. She's mm. as big a disgrace as anybody. And look at and all those people, when they're talking about rape apologists, those women that made accusations against her husband, she called them all sorts and put them down and said terrible things about them in defense of her husband. Exactly the thing that all these people are saying should never ever happen, but they're prepared well, to forget course, that because they want a woman yeah. in the White House. I want the right person in the White House. Do I don't care if it's a man want, or a woman. Did feminists want Hillary oh, Clinton God, yeah. in the White House? Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Oh. She's hardly. Yeah, she, she's not the right person for the job, and no. neither is Trump. But um, neither is probably <coughs> anyone who runs for election. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. Not at all. Uh, I think it should be like jury service where uh, someone is picked and they have to do it. So I don't know what the answer is, but I do know everything's wrong at the moment. And there's bigger and bigger divides happening in the world. Uh, a lot of mm. stuff that I was unaware of. But when I had this thing that happened and being being called the things I was called, I started to do research because I wanted to educate myself more. And there's so many different little rabbit holes to go down and they all cross over. I think there's a massive assault in Western culture. There's a massive assault in white culture. You look at that uh, that post that was put up, it's okay to be white. And they put that up on purpose. It was What's put, that? It was put up, um, it was a couple of months ago and uh, uh, a group put it up and they did it with the express purpose that they knew. And it was just a couple of posters in a university and said nothing but it's okay to be white. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And they did it and they put up this expressing that we know this will cause outrage and everybody be screaming this this is a terrible thing. It's all right to say black lives matter and that, but it's not okay. And they say this is a terrible racist thing. This is this and this. And they, they the only reason they actually put it up is because they knew this would happen. And then when it happened, you go, listen, we told you yeah. so. Yeah. Okay. But look, come on. <laughs> it is. Uh, I can understand the whole black. Lives matter. I mean, no. Jesus, black people black, were being shot by me, cops, and because black lives they're black, matter are a most, bunch of scumbags. What do you want? Do you want? Do you, do you know what, what about black, all the like the fact that the whole well, the fact the uh, fact the fact is that fifty. Uh, if um, you're a black 30, male, you've like thirteen percent of the population. Five times more chance to end up in prison. 30, Maybe more. Thirteen percent of the population are committing fifteen percent of the crime. Fifty percent of the people in the prison are those. Let, let, let me a little interesting statistic I, I just read about the other day. In, in New York, 20%, 26% of the population in New York are African-American, mm-hmm. which are responsible for over 70% of the gun crime. If you add Hispanic to that, uh, which is much, much less than the African-American, that then covers 98% of all gun crime in New York, yeah, leaving 2% between, Hispani- uh, between have, white and Asian. Yes, but you would have to link that to, to economics and things like, like there's you're a, more there's inclined to be involved in, I, I don't understand in gun why they're crime trying. if you're if you're growing up in a poor area. Majority of the like black people you, are killed by yeah, black but, people. But, like, that, but that's like saying like uh, oh, you know, people from Tala are uh, all uh, junkies. You know what I mean? Because I they're from Tala. People. Yeah, but like the drugs 
become part of a society, a part of society because there's poverty, because there's no other way out. You know, I mean, as the same with say the travelling community in Ireland, like you, there's a total prejudice against them, and yet there's probably a high rate of alcoholic and alcoholism and violence in the travelling community. But that comes yeah. with a if you're growing, there's also a, a much higher rate of suicide in the travelling community, uh, and so it that just comes with any. Society. Do you know, know whether there's a higher rate is of suicide being uh, men. discriminated against? And sorry, men in uh, men as well. Men, but, are, men are five times more likely to commit suicide than women. Eighty-three percent of all suicides are men. Eighty percent of attempted suicides are by women. Men are dying in the droves, and nobody's doing anything about it. There's there's a, there's an interesting statistic. Now with Black Lives Matter originally at the same time with this other thing about said I, I feel a little bit disillusioned with the group because of. It was being taken over what, se- what seemed and started like a really good idea and a very important mm-hmm. cause. I believe all lives matter, and I know black lives matter, all lives matter. Um, but yeah, but look, I mean, I, I, I was feeling think a bit that disillusioned the, you're with saying black lives on. matter is, the, is because black lives didn't seem to matter or don't seem to matter in American society. They're less valuable. <coughs> no, they're not. Well, they are because uh, they've like m- they, there's a, such a high chance you'll end up in prison for. S- Minor crimes. I mean, if you're a black male, it's because they commit most of the crimes. Uh, well, you know, as I said before, like if 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 society is is that's how it's supposed you, to be. Yeah, okay, but if you're if you're less inclined to get a, prop, a good education, if you're if the area you grow up grow up in is thanks, rife thanks, with thanks drugs, the then of, there is more chance you commit a, crime. Affirmative action, a lot of things. They, they, they've got. Um, um, they've got they've got more chance of getting into college than 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 a poor a poor white guy. They have much better access to education than a poor white guy because they've got lots more scholarships. If they get as far as college, if, if, if they, they get do, through, uh, if they get the through the first and part of the that, education, and those difficulties in that community r- relates back to the massive amount of single parents, and all, all all those black women are looking to the state to look for and provide for them. And I think now uh, in the last years that um, sing, single parenthood over there has gone up by forty percent. Mm-hmm. So once again, it relates to a problem that you spoke about. In the in sorry in black uh, sorry, it's, it's in, single single parents ra- raising children in, in 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 black communities is massive yeah it's absolutely huge and that goes back down to them then um, the, the, these these women relying on the state to to pay for them to look for them to, and then that that's another reason for for the massive uh, increases in crimes in these communities because there is a lot of support and there is a lot of money going into these communities to help them. Mm-hmm. It's difficult, yeah. It's like it's not as simple as. And I only come to these conclusions once again by doing a lot of research, and I watch some very, very interesting uh, um, factual research just on another video, just a couple of days ago, and it's eye opener to me. I didn't wake up and say, "Ah, bollocks!" Well, I, I went and I looked, and wow, holy shit! I did not knew that. I wouldn't even think that. See, a lot of men. See, it's not just black men, but all men feel emasculated if they are not earning, if they are not providing for their. Family, I think, and that's that is, absolutely. and that is not, you know, it's because they're uh, men are getting misogynists around. It's because it's a, if, if evolutionary that that's how their brain works. That's how they would feel more worthy there's, there's, as there's a person. A, well, there's a and, lot of men. Have you heard of? And Nikto? I think that's possibly why a lot of men aren't are absent fathers because they feel if they're not providing then they well, they m- want men are to getting get even away more absent than that have you heard of the migto movement MIGTO. men men go their own yeah. way mgtow 
Oh, and it's, it's yeah. sweeping across. It came from the, the, the Japanese and the, the herbivore men that want absolutely nothing to do with women. They've just literally checked out of society. It's, listen, everything's unfair. The family court, so that the deal that you get from marriage, mm. um, you talk about hypergamy and gynocentrism. And uh, they're just like, We've had enough. We don't want this. I am not interested. Some of them, you got, you got um, four, le- four levels ago in MGTOW, and the fourth is like full-on monk. You don't even engage with a woman whatsoever. Um, and it goes up. But there's, there's a huge amount of people doing it's it. Now, not an option, a, there's, a, really. there's a big difference. It is, but there's a big difference no, it's between... Not, it's not an option to there, not there engage is a big with difference, women. There is a big difference between men's rights activists and MGTOW. When I went to that uh, conference last year, my, my thing, the first and most important thing to me was that it wasn't a women bashing exercise, and it wasn't. And one of the most important things they said at Men's Voices Island is, we can't do this without the help of women. They want to engage. They want the family unit, whereas MGTOW is just... I've had enough. I'm checking out. Good luck to you. But that's not an. That just isn't an option. It's just it's not. not a, it's, 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 it's not. It's not a healthy option for the future it's of society. Totally but, unhealthy. Uh, when men are getting such a shitty deal, um, why would they want? Why would they want otherwise? And I would suggest look, look. People, people should look at if you if you want women bashing, go look at some MGTOW videos. If you if you want to understand about genuine equality and real rights and the struggles and worries of men, join join a men's rights activist group because they want to work with women. They know that they need the mothers, and there was a lot of women like you know that, 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 that sounds very similar to to white supremacists, basically, who feel yeah. who feel attacked because like basically it's they not are being attacked in in the but like you see it, sometimes it's attacked, sometimes it's just. What the rights you were used to, basically, if you were a white person growing up in the 50s, say, in America, you were guaranteed a job, probably. If you were black, you probably possibly didn't have a job. And then as more uh, black and mixed race people are competing for the same jobs... uh, there's, well, there's mix, quite, mix has nothing there's to do with colour, it just has to okay, do with... OK, I know, I know, but I'm just comparing that to... Don't see how it would compare to a white supremacy. Well, it's because just, if it, if it's uh, if it's taken for granted for that men. the male is the uh, breadwinner and the woman once you ha- get married, like which was the case if you were a teacher, for example, once you got married, I think you you were out of a job, or maybe if you had a kid, uh, and then that changes. It takes some men. It's, um, so uh, I, it's I, very I, hard I, to take. I, I didn't uh, know. So I'm not. Mix, you know, existed, I'm, I'm going. <coughs> but I've gone that I'm I'm level two MGTO and that's that's me. I've I've no interest. I, I actually decided that in prison before I came out to say I'm done. I've I, I I there's nothing a woman can bring for me. I've I've never been lied to. I've never been stolen from. I've never been beaten verbally or physically abused or sexually abused in my life by any man like I have been by a woman. And I've just I've had enough. Really, I remember my this first. Really surprised for someone my, who's worked. I in remember my first night in prison when that door closed. I never felt so safe. Well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> but people like to go around pretending the opposite sex don't lie, the opposite sex don't beat you, the opposite sex don't cheat, they don't steal. I know loads and loads of wonderful women. I would never give up on them. Uh, beautiful, wonderful things. But you've got to accept all the good and the bad. You know, that hell hath no fury thing didn't come from bloody nowhere. Mm. You know, they're great until they're angry and then you're fucked. <laughs> Wow, this isn't really. Uh, we can't end on this note, can we? I know. Let's do something cheerful. <laughs> <laughs> how about how about I give you a great idea for a new comedy comedy character? 
Yeah. And you can practice it. I was just, it was something actually Moncrief was talking. And instead of saying Pacino, it sounded more like Pochino. I was saying, wouldn't that be good? Al Pochino, like Pochino. And you right. can say all, all, all Al Pacino's lines is a really drunken Irishman and call yourself Al Pacino. Okay, you're there right. You go. I won't. I won't insult Alan. that genius idea by trying to undo an impersonation. Alan Pacino. Of it. Alan yeah, Pacino. yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I sound like. See, one of one of the problems is there's such a thing called red pill rage, and when you learn about uh, taking the red pill, there's there's a, there's a great That's from film. the Matrix. No, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, and yes, in in a way it is, and in in a way it isn't. Mm. There's, there's a woman now. She was she was a hardcore uh, feminist. Her name is Cassie J. Mm. And she set out to make a documentary about men's rights activists to prove that they're all women-hating bunch of sons of bitches. And mm. that was her intention. And she was much, much respected in the feminist community. Mm. But as she went along and then she started and then she started going through all the footage and everything and transcribing, it changed her heart and it changed her mind because she saw, she saw the genuine pain of men. She saw the genuine caring and love that they have and an all good conscience that she couldn't be a feminist anymore. Very, very similar thing happened to another very well-known well, feminist, Lacey Green. Wouldn't you think that feminism isn't necessary, at least, I mean, obviously, words like feminism and socialism get totally... You right, know, well, I mean, they, in, they stand in, for different things for in, different in, people. In my mind, there's two kinds of feminists, feminism. There's the regressive fem feminism, which is just pure out man-hating. And there's a lot of that and the misandry. And there's actually quite mm. a bit of that. But that's the thing that's got most, most of it is, is most vocal because there's a lot of it in the, in, in the, in the media. Mm. And then there's the, the dictionary definition of feminism, which talks about equality for all. Equality for okay. all is basically okay, well, so well, if, I would if, have seen if, it. If, if there is equality for all and you describe yourself as that kind of feminist, then why are you standing by when, when you're... When your sons and fathers and brothers are dying in their droves and getting slaughtered in family courts. Why are you standing there saying nothing if you believe in equality? I, I, I believe in women's rights and I believe people should be active in the, for the rights of women and, and mm -hmm. for the rights of men. You should stand up for the rights of your sons and your brothers as much as you should protect the rights of your sisters and your mothers. But uh, when somebody says, I'm a feminist, but they're letting this go on, but they believe that, well, no, you're, you're still being a useless bastard. You know, stand up for everybody. Stand up for true equality. That's what I want to see. Mm. I hate this bullshit where they're claiming they're all right when they're not. And, you know, and the worst thing is with these, this, this one that called me out and called me all these names. I had a look at her, her Facebook page once and there was this big thing that she put on on it, berating her own sex for not being feminist. I see you and I call you out. You disgust me for doing nothing. Hear me roar. And mm. all, her, all her little friends go, yeah, you're so bloody amazing. For fuck's sake, you know, and slagging your whole gender because they don't believe you do. A person like that thinks that, uh, you know, a mother in a home is letting down female society when they're the backbone of our bloody society. And call, calling them out and calling them disgraceful for being a mother, for wanting to raise their kids, mm -hmm. for, for not hating men. So there must be some with, something wrong with them because they don't believe as I do. Mm. I think that's a disgrace. I mean, that's what's happening to feminism. But then those ones that think they're about equality, well, then stick up for you, stick up for your men. Yeah, but and I do think that the majority of people are fine. I just think there's a, a minority extremists that are hijacking that is exactly the media it. and hijacking social media. Because most, most women and most men just want to get on with it. Yeah. And if it hadn't have been for this incident, I would have still been reasonably oblivious as well. Yeah, but the red pill rages, I'd recommend everybody to watch this documentary that, mm. um, that Cassie J made called The Red Pill and, and the experience that she went through. And as soon as she did and she realised and she started changing, the feminist 
attacked her and slaughtered her and protested and tried to shut down the film screenings and absolutely everything. And the only mm. difference is that she opened her eyes. Lacey Green, they opened their eyes and they went, wow, actually, yeah, we're, we're, we're treating them disgracefully. More needs to be done. We should all be equal. Equal mm. in different ways because there's a balance. There's some things men do better, some things women do mm -hmm. better. Recognize that. Rejoice mm -hmm. in it. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe we can all be happier. I don't want to see two societies go the separate ways like that Mousetopia experiment they did. Um, there's another thing to look up, Mousetopia, and what, what happened to that society. Yeah. They, they built this perfect, a perfect enclosure and society for, 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 the, for these mice. Yeah. And then as they were reproduced, and the, this entire society crumbled. Um, after they got had everything, it's it's just it'd be a little bit too long to explain. But another thing to look up mm. um, about what happened in that experiment and what can happen to society. I don't want to see that happen to society. I want Western culture to be safe. I think white men should be allowed to be proud. I, I would like to, I believe in diversity. I believe in equality. A little bit of multiculturalism is all right. Not too fucking much. See, the bizarre thing is that uh, <coughs> was the other day we've had Trump and uh, Kim Song on just boasting about how big their red button is. Oh, yeah. At a was, time I saw a great meme when... <laughs> on Facebook. They were both jacking each other off with their rock <laughs> dicks replaced as rockets. It was right. so funny. <laughs> you know, it just is bizarre that two major leaders in the world are just idiot two kids. major dickheads yeah. yeah at a time when, yeah. you know, when and, it, and it's scary and, I, and I'm scared for the world and that, like, like, and that is dangerous to all society <laughs> I'm, scared, I'm scared for my grandson and I'm scared for my granddaughters and I yeah. want the world to be better for shit, them shit. and I, I want I, I want I want my I want my granddaughters to feel safe in the workplace I want them to feel safe when they walk down the road but nowhere's ever going to be truly safe and we have to of accept not, that. No. You can't um, put little pillows and everything and corks on the end mm. of the forks and declare everything a safe space because nothing is ever truly safe. You have to use your cop on mm. and accept that are as you, well. Are you, uh, but you were saying that uh, you're uh, ill or you said you yes, don't give it. Uh, yeah, I, I was diagnosed a while back with, uh, it's an incurable genetic disorder called Crest Syndrome, C-R-E-S-T. And, and lucky me, it's, it, it's five different things in one. I couldn't just get one thing or something that would kill me. Um, it's going to, one of the main things, the C stands for calcinosis. My body's overproducing um, collagen, which is what's used for making scar tissues and bodies. But that's, a, uh. that's attacking all my connective tissue. Um, so then I, I can get flare-ups in any of my joints and I might not be able to use my right shoulder or my right hand or my knee or my hip. And yeah. that, that, that can pop up at any time. And that's going to increase and increase. And it goes from flare-ups to eventually it'll go to fibrosis. And at some stage during the process of that in years to come, I might end up having to have my hands, my hands and my feet amputated. Uh, part of that, the R is Raynaud's phenomenon where um, if there's any kind of cold or stress, my fingers can go white or blue. I'm looking kind of white now. And mm. the, the, the veins go into a spasm and blood doesn't get to the end. The E's for esophageal problems. I might end up, if the calcinosis attacks that, I might end up not being able to swallow and eat properly. And um, it could also cause them problems around the lungs and the heart. The T is the uh, it's potentially atasia. The all these marks that are kind of crossing mm. my face, and that's that's part of that as well. So, I've a, I've a bright future ahead of me. So literally, this is why that. I don't care about what I speak out now because so what? I'm going to have to hide myself away from society anyway. So fuck it. <laughs> oh, sorry to hear that, Carl. Yeah, life sucks. My best friend has terminal cancer. I've just found out another great friend is uh, also has uh, terminal cancer. Good friend uh, a few months ago just died from cancer. You know, so I could have it worse. Oh, man. But at least it was unfortunately I was out just a little while ago and. Um, 
I was having a couple of drinks, uh, post-Christmas drinks with a few friends, and it was just dawning on me. I said, holy shit, I know how I'm going to die now. It's going to be euthanasia. I'm going to put up with pain for as long as I can because I want to see my grandchildren as long as I can. And at some stage, I'm just going to have to check out. And uh, I always started crying at the table, but I kept my shit together and uh, had another pint. But um, it was just that kind of dawning and realisation of this is how it's going to be. So that might have made me a little bit braver or a little bit more foolish. I haven't decided yet. Mm. I'm, I'm sure when this podcast goes out, um, <laughs> I'll be told. But in the meantime, Carol, <coughs> you've got friends. You've got great women friends 100%, who, who are yeah. totally that I adore you. That I adore and, and respect. Um, I it's know, been a pleasure. I, I, I hope I don't come off as some kind of women hater because there are some w- mighty women in my life that I love deeply, such as Epiphany and Roxy Helen and mm. and uh, Dominic Devine and uh, a ton of others. And during all this crap, when I was called these names, I didn't lose one single real friend and real women that have worked me for years know damn well what I am. Mm-hmm. And as a gentleman and a bit of an asshole sometimes, but still a gentleman. Don't let it get to you. It, it, you know, but it, it really knocked the sail, the sail out of my winds for quite a while. I don't even know if I want to bring the show the back. The wind out of your sails, it. Yeah, yeah, that was the one. <laughs> um, but I, I don't, I'm not even. Sure, I'm still struggling to know, to decide if I want to bring the show back or not. Really, you know, um, you know, with all these things that have gone on, I say I wasn't affected by Me Too rules, but I, and and all the time, I never even thought that was a thing. And the hundreds of women that have come round to my house, we've worked on tracks and routines. And now I'm looking, and say, am I putting myself in danger? Because anybody can say anything, and they don't have to have any, even the slightest bit of proof. Some people say, oh, he's a prick, or I don't think he behaved enough. I'm going to say this and type one thing up on Facebook. You're destroyed. Where's the right in that? Well, why would I want to put myself in that environment? Well, yeah, but let's not go that way. I hope not. And I, I, I'd, I'd love to bring. But then I also have the thing now when I'm, I'm going to start booking performers again. Uh, do I know who wants to work with me and not? Because or of all these virtue signaling idiots, uh, who do I know who wants to work or not? So that's something that I have to work on. And when I go now, if I do start the show again, um, are, are these uh, men hating feminists going to start screaming, "Don't work for him because he's this and he's that"? So I mean, I, I'm not sure what I'm going to face, and I'm not sure if I can be asked. But I know I love burlesque so much, and what it brings to the audience, and what it brings I to the performers. From what I know, and I, maybe I don't know, why well, you've definitely got. Lots of people who are on your side. I hope so. Good of you to say. Thank you very much, Joan. Thanks for listening to the rants. No problem. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for the argument. (laughs) As argument should be. Well, there now. There you go. Now, now, now. So, if anybody wants to. to contact me with regard to that interview or any interview indeed uh, on the podcast uh, you can get me on my website www.joerooneycomedian.com and you can get me on twitter at joerooney1 and on instagram at joerooneycomedian and if you want to leave a review five stars on iTunes please do that it does help my uh um, ego. If you just go on iTunes and give a review under five stars, please do that. You can also listen to the podcast on Spotify as well. And uh, is that everything? Uh, it is. So obviously, uh, you know, I um um I, I, there's a lot of stuff comes up in that conversation which I couldn't, I didn't have the, the research to totally make an argument against, but I didn't agree with him but we did did disagree and 
and uh, argued it out. And I think my my point really will be that people aren't doing that enough. And other pe- people are just ranting at each other. I mean, you know, because we're not going to get you. I don't think you just don't get anywhere that way. And and uh, uh, and if you don't hear the other side of the argument, then then you can't um, argue back unless you just uh, rant rant your ideas and the other person rants back and then get nowhere not that you'll ever convince anyone i don't think in general people have their ideas and they tend to stick with them anyway but sometimes people do change you know and i mean we are changing as well as we as 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 we uh it's been a revelation uh in the last few weeks and months as to what is going on uh uh, well, you know, it started out with Harvey Weinstein in Hollywood, and it's been a lot of focus on Hollywood. But I think it would be probably wrong to focus just on Hollywood. Um, uh, and uh, in general, as you get live as a person, uh, you change your point of view. But it doesn't happen all of a sudden; it's slowly, um, and you change how you look at things and how you act. And I think you can do that. Even as you get older, it's not like everyone has to be stuck in their bloody ways. God, this is, this is why I could never really go on a, on a on a show to arguing about politics because I just always tempted in the middle of an argument to go, "Oh, I bloody hell! I, I, that's what I think, you bloody dude." Well, I probably wouldn't do that in a, in a but that's how I feel when I'm talking on my own. Because I'm talking on my own. I'm talking to you. But right now I'm on my own. There's just a cat licking her paw. And that's distracting me now. Because if her tongue moves from her paw to her belly. I'm going to get that cone. And I'm going to put it on your head, Kibley. What do you think of that? Okay, well, that's your point of view. So, uh yeah, the the uh, so yeah, that's it. Uh, thanks for uh, subscribing and uh, please uh, spread the word about this podcast. And uh, if you want to um, donate money, you can do that. You can just send me money in the post. Well, you can uh, ask for my address and then send it to me. Or if you just see me on the street, give me money. Okay, thanks a lot. See ya. HPN, the Headstuff Podcast Network. See headstuff.org for more details. I'm seeing something. It's smiling at me. But not a friendly smile. The worst smile I've ever seen in my life. Do you see it right now? Smile. Rated R. Only in theaters September 30th.